you are the podcast master. Happy Monday, everybody. Uh, I have an audience here. Um, or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday, whatever day it is you downloaded this episode of the podcast. We're putting it out on Monday evening, which is kind of strange. I think it's the first time we've ever done that. But I had plans to drop this podcast on Tuesday and got to thinking, you know what? We talk a little bit about politics, and so let's go ahead and, and drop it the evening before the election because I have a feeling everyone's going to be paying attention to uh, all of the election chaos on Tuesday. So anyways, wanted to go ahead and drop this thing out there and uh, maybe let it circulate a little bit. Hopefully some people will will get some good from it. The audio, we had some issues. We halfway through, and you'll probably hear me panic about halfway through the podcast because the recording device I was using just completely um, shut down. So we stole the Zoom audio that we were using from the Zoom call, and so it sounds a little different than most of the podcasts, but the bottom line is we got it out there, and so I hope you guys enjoy it. My guest this week is Leanne Hart. Um, Leanne is one of the most incredible people I think we've ever been in contact with. Megan, would you agree? Absolutely. So, um, yeah, one of the most inspirational people, one of the most loving, caring human beings I think God has put in our lives without question, but, uh, just, just a great human being. She is a motivational speaker. She's a preacher. She is a wife, a mother, a bull owner, a ranch manager, uh, yeah, a friend, a mentor. There's She's an incredibly talented singer, songwriter. Uh, just you'll hear her say she's not great at anything, but I think she's superb at just about everything she does. I, I really do think that highly of this lady and her husband as well. We'll talk a little bit about him, the Iron Man J.W. Hart, once we get into this podcast. But this is all about Leanne, and I have had so many great conversations with this lady, whether it be about politics, life, uh, Christianity, faith. She has a podcast, and she has a lot of these conversations. So I want to encourage you guys, if you're not already, to subscribe to her podcast. It's as simple as mm-hmm. looking up Leanne Hart Ministries. That's L E A N N. H-A-R-T Ministries, that's the name of the podcast, and you're you're going to get flooded with the good word. I can assure you of that, and you're, you're going you're gonna to leave that podcast every episode with a smile on your face for some reason. So uh, I really encourage you to do that. I encourage you to follow her on social media, J-Dub and Lee, it's J-W-A-N-D-L-E-E on Instagram, and if you have any questions, or you want to reach out to Leanne, it's uh, leannehartministries.com. We didn't get a chance to talk about the, that in the episode, so I wanted to make sure on the front end of this podcast that I sent you guys to all of those different locations because truly an inspiration. All three of those platforms are very, very inspirational. So anything else, Megan, you want to add? Big shout out to at Shop Phil Rich. For continuing to help, um, I don't really know what they do, but great shout out to them for helping us. No, I meant for this podcast. I meant for this podcast. I know you dress women across the world. You make them look outstanding. You build their confidence. Um, you make all of them look good. But what I'm saying is, I don't really understand what you do for this podcast. I mean, what that business? I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I hope you guys have have caught on to our Facebook lives once a week. I have been a frequent guest on at shop Phil rich, which Megan is obviously a frequent guest here, the Matt West now podcast. So, uh, thanks for your encouragement, ma'am. Appreciate it. Hopefully a lot of people get some encouragement from this episode. So again, uh, shout out to all of you that have been leaving little comments, uh, on the podcast section, all of you that have given the five star reviews, all of you that have written reviews, that is how people start to learn about this podcast. The more reviews you write, the more five star ratings you you put out there, the more awareness to this podcast it creates. So 
I appreciate it. I, I went through and read a bunch of them yesterday, as a matter of fact, and so some really, really cool stuff. So I appreciate all of you. I appreciate you listening to the podcast. I know you don't listen to the podcast to hear me ramble, so I'm going to shut up and encourage you to just sit back, uh, ignore the audio issues, but pay close attention to all the words that are said, because this is my conversation with the great Leanne Hart. First of all, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it because I know you're you're a busy, busy lady. Well, I'm I'm at, I was it's Monday, so it's a good day to not have to focus on a whole lot but sitting down and talking. So I was are, are you a Monday girl? Do you like Mondays or does it matter? It doesn't matter. Like Mondays to me are a prayer. I've I've done prayer Monday on on social media for about eight years now. So it's it's never been about me on a Monday for the last eight years. I, I love Mondays for some reason. And maybe I get it from Jay Cutler. He always talks about, it. I love Mondays because it's, it's when you get to kind of reset and, and kick off the new week. And, and I feel like that's such a positive way to look at it. Like I, I love Mondays when I was in school, not so much, but the older I get, the more I, I love them because it is, we get to kickstart the week. We get to kickstart. Yeah. Every, especially this week, it's, it's going to be crazy. Um, that reminds me, there, there's a question that I never know the answer to. What's the first day of the week? I think like different calendars. I know Jewish calendar, I think it's Saturday. Okay, so Our I was always taught as a kid, right? Sunday's the first day of the week, right? Yeah. But it's also the day that we go to church and we are always taught to rest. And I always thought that, you know, God rested on the seventh. So I'm so confused by that. I know. I think it's over the years, just like anything, tradition, religion, it just gets all put into basically a big washing machine and people just take it for what they yeah. want. Yeah. Speaking of being in a big washing machine, the, the, the main question I wanted to ask you, and I'm not going to lead you towards any answer whatsoever, uh, but how miserable is it being married to J.W. Hart? <laughs> you knew I it was coming. Misery loves company. Oh, uh, I, Apparently, I I'm a good company, okay? <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. And you've got to be a saint. I feel like that's your mission work is being married to JW. <laughs> I guess, honestly, this morning I was really thinking about how I really think a lot of people um, look at the whole Trump thing. Like, oh, he's such a jackbutt, you know? And and they think the same way about JW Hart. He is a jackbutt. But everybody wants to go to the pasture with a guy like JW. And as you know, you're going to get what you're after. You're not leaving until you do. And even though, you know, his mouth can be doing this, I've just learned to honestly just go do what I need to do. And at the end of the day, we can meet back at the table. And by that time, it's all settled. <laughs> and we're just gathering around. Well, and, and, and he's also a good soul. Like yeah. no matter no matter how, you know, much they voice their opinion and how very matter of fact they are at the end of the day, they, they've got a great heart. And, and I think I truly believe I know this about JW, but I, I believe it about Trump. Like they want what's best for, for others. Yeah, I really do legitimately believe that um, for JW, because I do have personal relationship with JW. Uh, I get to see the behind, behind closed doors, JW. And just yesterday morning before we were getting ready for church, one of the littles was, playing with a Nerf gun. And we ended up having a Nerf war, just the three of us, because no one else was awake. And <laughs> we ended up like running outside. He's in the house gathering his bullets and we're outside running to the other door just so we can like get the, yeah. And so like, those are the little things that a lot, that no one really gets to see and we get to enjoy. Uh, we also know that he knows how to take care of business, but he was raised in that uh, environment of learning and, and, and knowing if you weren't going to do it, somebody had to. Yeah. So he yeah. just always has, you know, it doesn't matter whether he was riding a bull or what he was doing, because he's kind of, he reminds me a lot of, of JV. Everybody's kind of was against him because he was hitting that lick in his career where they knew it was probably not going to be long before there was going to be another path, another door that was going to open once closing and everybody's kind of recognizing it. And you recognize it too, honestly, more than anything, they recognize it more than anything at the end of the day. Nobody can tell you when it's time to stop and they keep showing up and they keep toughening these guys up in a way where they're still doing stuff where everybody else is, is like, well, it's time for me to go home. I mean, JW made the world finals 
one year with a broke leg. Same year Justin made that, you know, made that. And, and he, I think he bucked off of every bull that year. I can't remember the year, but he won the last round. And it was one of those deals where it's like, you sit there and you're going, I, it hurts to watch people do stuff in pain, mm-hmm. but he never really let you know how much pain he was in. Yeah. You, you can always fool the fans and you can always, you know, they, they'll always have their opinions, but there's only really one person that knows what's really happening inside and what somebody's capable of. I don't want to spend this whole time talking about JW at all whatsoever. This is about Leanne. How'd you guys meet though? Like honestly, and I think that people just see you together and it's just the norm, but uh, let's go back to, to a younger Leanne and a young J Dub. Where did, where did it start? Well, back one day. Far, far away. You know, I actually I dated, I dated, I dated a guy for like three years and we were kind of broke up and we were definitely broke up for a long time. And he was a bull rider and I was dead set on not ever dating another bull rider. Never going to. There's so many stories like that. I hear that a lot, you know, and it's just whatever. Yeah. But um, I was actually working at Dollywood and I was off for three months at the end of the season. I went home to Louisiana and a guy named Bart Jackson and Carrie, his, his wife at the time, they needed a ride. Their vehicle wasn't working. And I'd stop by, I would always stop by and see and visit with them and they're like, hey, let's take your car to, can we take your car to Tampa, Florida? And I was like, no, no. And they're like, well, what else do you have to do? I mean, like, just go with us. And, and another girlfriend of mine ended up talking. I talked to her and I knew she couldn't go. Well, she said, yeah, I can go. And I was like, crap, you know. Anyway, go to Tampa, see this guy that I hadn't seen in a long time. And we just kind of hit it off. Now, Tiffany Davis will tell you that she is the reason. She, right. she, over JW that night and said, you, you need to marry her, you know, and he was like, I'm on it, Tiffany. Anyway, um, and that was pretty much it. Like we, we, we really did kind of fall in love, like right then and right there. Like I had never told anyone I loved them. I was 23 and it, and it was JW and I never really cared about the JW Hart bull rider guy. I just loved the person. Um, I love that guy. And there you go. That was it. That was it. So Dollywood, what were you doing at Dollywood? <laughs> well, I thought I wanted to be Reba, you know, like I thought, oh, I want to be Reba. <laughs> I was like, sorry, there's only one. And so <laughs> I ended up going to, I was 18 years old. I went to like one semester of college. I told my mom it wasn't for me. And right. I had to pay her back. It was a big deal. <laughs> Which is the opposite of me because I kept telling my parents, nope, this college thing, it's really for me. And I hadn't been to class in three years, but whatever yeah it's just what we do yeah. my dad went to LSU. my dad's a really successful guy and so anyway my um they just had bigger dreams for me basically with the school thing that I had for myself and when I was 18 years old I went to Nashville where my aunt actually lived talked to who used to be the lead singer for a band known as you know Little Texas Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody ever remembers that man, but he basically gave me some great, great advice. He said, you know, don't come out here doing the bar thing. And I didn't want to do the bar thing. I never really had the nerve to go and, and, and sing at a lot of bars. I just, it, I was just a little insecure girl raised on a dairy farm, basically, you know? And right. so, uh, go get some stage experience, go see if you can't get a job at Dollywood. So I went and there was like over 2000 people that were auditioning. I rode up there with a bunch of bull riders that were, I had a car. There was a bull ride in Knoxville, Tennessee about that time. And Rayford Connerly, just a lot of guys that were from Louisiana that I was buddies with. Uh, I rode up there and I was going to catch a, They were going to ride back because it's 13 hours from the house. And I'd never really driven that far away from home by myself. So they, they rode up there with me. My aunt rode over and um, stayed the night with me in, in Sevierville. I got there and there were so many people. I'd never auditioned for anything in my life. I was super, super nervous saying Strawberry Wine um, by Dina Carter and uh, the Jody Messina song. And they called me back and they were like, okay, you've got, you're going to get the call back and you're going to literally be here and um, you're going to learn to dance now. Like that was the, the second half. I don't, I don't dance. Like I never, <laughs> I was just like, say what, you know, I'll never forget going, this is going to be terrible. This is going to be so bad. Anyway, I uh, didn't really know any other dance other than the, you know, the dirty dancing dance when she's walking down the stairs. <laughs> 
And so I just, they put me in the front of the group that I was with and they were like, whoever's in the front, usually that's who they follow. <laughs> All these other really awesome dancers that were part of my group followed me do the Dirty Dancing Dance. And the um, Mr. Pageant, who was the producer at the time, just pretty much, he was like, I just love you. I love your attitude. I love that you're like, I don't know why I'm here dancing because I don't know how to dance, right. but you can sing your butt off. And so he he hired me on the spot and I was 18. I was the youngest one and shows there. I was in a show called the life and times of Dolly Parton. I was one of the little dollies and I got a lot of, ex- of stage experience there, made a lot of wonderful friends. I still have a lot of those friends that I've made over the years. I was in shows with Dolly. I was in shows with her brother, um, met a lot of great people, a lot of big name people that, you know, have been very successful in country music and, I just honestly got to see that they were real people and I never really saw a big, uh, Oh, they're better than me. I just saw them encouraging me to, to be better at myself, as myself. But and you got so, the job more, more of, of the person than based on, you know, this skill plus this skill plus this skill. Yeah. 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 Cause I needed a lot. Like they, they learned you're not going to teach me how to dance. So right. it's a good thing. <laughs> and, and I got a lot of um, of jobs over the years for that. I actually was at Dollywood for a couple of years. Then I was at a classic country theater there for a couple of years as their lead singer and decided, that, well, I'll, I guess I'll go to Nashville and do that thing. When JW and I met, he didn't really understand what the big deal was. Like he was like, you know, because they just, he knew if you're good at something, go do it and be right. at it where that really wasn't the case. Like there's a lot, there's a, there's, there's so many people that are talented singing vocally, but there's only a few that are picked out of the sea for that. And so I had um, an offer come to me and, and it was a, a good offer, but it wasn't, it was an offer where they were going to take and shape and mold me into what they wanted me to be. And I knew my grandpa had always said, you know, don't conform to the patterns of this world. And I didn't even know that was scripture for a long right, time. I, right. I just knew that he said, don't be what God didn't create you to be. So don't be that. And I really kept that with me. And I realized that um, the the kind of deciding factor for me was whenever I was working in Nashville, I was working with a lot of young cults. I found a ranch to work at along with uh, pull and double shifts at Applebee's. And a, ho- a horse had gotten hurt and I had a vet come. I, I was gross. I mean, like, I, and I called the guy that was, he was a producer for Dina Carter. He had written some songs for her. Strawberry Wine was one of them. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of cool for me because I sang that. Um, and anyway, I just will never forget. I called him and I said, listen, I'm actually filthy. And I know you're wanting me to come in because we were singing for some pretty big record executives the next day, but I'm gross. I was like, I can go home and, and, and shower. And he had already been at work for all day, basically said, Oh, you'll be fine. Just come up here. So I did. And when I got there, I was literally, I was in rubber boots. I was gross. I was carrying a ponytail. I smelled like crap, you know, literally, I smelled like shite, you know, and And, um, and it didn't bother me, but it really bothered him. And he was like, you know, next time you come, you really do need to take a shower, probably put a little makeup on and fix your hair. And I was like, Oh, okay. And talk about making me feel insecure because you're, you're a guy that's singing and or that you're, you're writing country music and you have no idea what the, what this lifestyle is like. Yep. And that's really a lot of people still, even today, like I was kind of moving in when country music was actually moving out. Right. And I had a heart for that juice, Newton, Loretta Lynn, Dolly Parton, all of those. Um, I had, I loved Bonnie Ray also, you know, like, all the all the classics mm-hmm. that I was raised on were really being put on the shelf and there really wasn't a whole lot of room for me. And so I really, I, I recognized that. And JW understood that at that point, like he was like, okay, now I see why you would, cause he was like, why not just sign a contract for a year? Just do this and do that. And I was like, it's just for me, I, I just, I don't want to be anything other than what I've been like that. This doesn't feel right. I've said that about everything though. Like if you don't truly enjoy what you're doing, then no matter how much money there is, no matter how much, you know, whether it's stature or fame, whatever comes along with it, it's not worth it. Like I I would much rather be poor and enjoy the people I'm around and and wake up every morning with a smile on my face. than I would be uh, regretting or dreading going to work or getting on the road. You know I mean? Look, I travel all the time and there's been days where it's like, uh, 
I don't know if I want to go this weekend. And then I snap out of it really quick. And I'm like, no, take you back to what's important about the job and, and the relationships for me. I, I love the people that I'm around. I love the guys in the locker room. And that's what keeps me going is, you know, those guys, they, they deserve to have somebody tell their story that really cares. Yeah. yeah. And, and to what he, to what, well, but I mean, it's the truth because at the end of the day, I'm, I'm way behind when it comes to talent. But nobody will outdo me when it comes to passion and, and love of these athletes. And that's what we do is tell their story. And, and nobody's going to beat me in that category, period. There's, there's a thousand guys out there that are way better at telling stories, that are way more talented, that have better voices. But, you know, it, it's at the end of the day, it's not all about the skill. It, it's about the person that, that's delivering it. It's, it's, but it's funny because JW comes from a competition world where if you're good at something, go outdo everybody else. Yes, yes. Unfortunately, business doesn't work that way. No, and I've always thought about it. You basically a competition with me, mm-hmm. and I'm way harder on myself than anyone else has ever been. And and I've I've actually been the one. And you two can probably say this yourself. Like when no one else believed in me, I I believed in me. Yeah. Um, because I I believed who was in me was greater than what I was up against. And when no one else would say yes, I could say yes because there was a yes already engraved in me. And so I never, I had a lady speak a lot of truth into me one time. I used to sing with her and she basically her back was kind of hunched over a little bit, but she could sing like nobody's business. And she told me, she said, Leanne, do you love doing what you're doing? I said, yes, ma'am. Are you making a living doing it? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, well, then you've made it. She said, get over your thing. And I was like, yeah, it's good. Like, I, thank you. You know, and, yeah. and, and I, it's so true. Like I needed that in that moment because I saw, I saw other people doing different things and I never, honestly, I just don't think I ever had the desire to do some of the things that other people had for me. Like other people had these great, they had these great visions for me. And I will tell you that like, I, tr- I I'm not great at anything. I'm not great at anything, but I try hard at everything. And I've, I'm just like, I just want to be a jack of all trades for Jesus. Basically, that's what it is. Because I know that, like, I just try hard at everything. And I want other people to see that about, you know, but I want them to be encouraged by that to say, well, she can do it. So can I. Look, I appreciate humble, but I'm going to argue with you. And I think everybody that's ever heard you sing or ever listened to you speak will argue with the fact that I think you're great at a lot of things, but I think it comes from a passion. I, I think it comes from you know, not trying to be great, but trying to be you and, and letting that heart just kind of float. And, and I think that that's what makes it great. Well, it's gone through a lot of insecurities to find the confidence to allow that to flow. Right. Because younger, I, I, I think the older that you get, it's just easier to shed a lot of the insecurities that you have where you're just in, excited to be whoever you're called to be, wherever you are. Like, it's just like, cool, thanks for the opportunity because you have something to surrender. Like, you've got something old to take off and something new to put on. And you're, you're just, for me, I'm just glad I still have opportunities to do those things Yeah. because a lot of people, they shoot themselves in the foot by thinking, Oh, well, I guess it's over. I don't have that job anymore. Right. And they don't look for an open and open door. I've got six kids. I've got to show them. There's always going to be an open door. Yeah. You know? How do you do that? Six kids plus the bull business plus the ministry. Like, like how do you have enough time in the day? Yeah, this day, this morning um, I was like, well, let me go because our days are kind of like our paychecks. They just kind of are spread. They're never, they're yeah. never. Ain't that the truth? You know, and so I just, I just in my mind, I don't really put a whole lot on myself. I know that there's things to do. I like to get fed when JW JW's gone right now. He's he's actually out of town working cattle mm-hmm. um, a couple days before they leave for the Velocity Finals, and so. I knew this morning I needed to get up and feed early, get things done because I didn't want to have to mess with that all day. And I knew that there was going to be kids in here waking up. My mom came in last night. Thank you, Jesus, for that. You know, Bert was here. But when mom and Bert aren't here, I've got a 12-year-old who is completely capable of making sure everybody's getting up and around. I'm usually back in around the time that they're all starting to kind of come to and then I can start breakfast. So this morning I had a load taken off because there's help in the house to do that. And and I'm done for the rest of the day um, as far as the cattle part go. Right. At least I think. I, go I was going to say, knock on wood. Yeah. I'm like, at least for a minute, 
at least for a minute. <laughs> and then it, it, it just kind of goes throughout the day. I just don't really, uh, I don't really put a whole lot on myself. If something doesn't work out, it just flat doesn't work out and it will work out. Maybe not in the hour, but it will work out because See, I'm not beating myself up about stuff like that. That goes back to something else that you said a minute ago and, and talking about, you know, you're confident in yourself to, to be able to handle any situation. And, and I think there's a, a fine line between, and it took me a long time to realize this, but I think there's a fine line between ego and faith. I, and I think that sometimes our faith can be misconstrued as ego because I've, I, I always say this, if they fire me from my job tomorrow, I'm good. I'll be fine. As, as heartbreaking as it would be, but I have enough faith in myself and in God that I'll be taken care of. I'll bounce back. But I think some people look at that and they're like, oh, well, they're cocky, you know, but, but there is, there, there's a fine line between those two. Well, I think there was a guy named Elijah that was in the Bible that was um, really thinking he was out there doing everything by himself. And um, God reminded him, you need to open your eyes. There's actually 7,000 other prophets and priests out here that are doing the same thing you're doing. So get your eyes off of yourself and recognize, you know, yep. and so I think it's all about community also that you need to surround yourself with people that are doing life, that are lifers, that are in, even if they're in a negative pattern. I mean, Jesus even hung out with a doubter named Thomas, but at the same time, Thomas still served a purpose and there, there, there are people serve purposes in our life, you know, and they give us opportunities. So for me, I just, I've been knocked down. I've been humbled. I, I, I grew up on a dairy farm. So I grew up with a dad that, encouraged me to be a doer, not just somebody that said, Oh, I, I live on a dairy farm. No, I, I, I do dairy. <laughs> right. right. You know, I, I do milk these cows and I do do this thing. And I've just been raised working. I've been raised uh, in a family of doers. I just don't know how to not do. I live around people that all the time want to know how we do what we do. So our door is open, like legitimately mm -hmm. Bert lives here. So she, she goes back to Oregon, but she, she's here. And, and she wanted to, she felt the call in her life to come here and just open the door for her to come. But we've done that to so many different people that uh, we just want people to see how we do life so they can find some kind of confidence to know that they can do, they can do it too. Even on the days it doesn't work out, you know, like tomorrow, because there's no, you're never going to fully rest period mm -hmm. in the world. Yes. Rest in the word of God. That's rest. But you still have tomorrow. Like, we have to wake up tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. There's no telling what the bulls are going to mess up. In because I just saw a huge hole in the fence over there, even though JW just fixed one yesterday. But I just rode past another one. So, I'm not – it'll take care of itself. They'll leave it alone. I'll, I'll get over there before the end of the day. But I just I, – I did so much worrying and so much, um, golly, just pacing the walls for so long. And it's good to not be in that season of my life. Anyway. You have to enjoy and you have to take a deep breath and just relax and where you are at that moment. But at the same time, you also have to be prepared for everything because there's going to be something else pop up and it could happen within a second. I mean, look, everybody's talking politics right now. I know how I want the world to sway and I would, I'm voting for God, period. And, and there's one side of the equation that I think stands for my beliefs and represents my beliefs far more than another side. That's the way I'm going. But I also, in my mind, have started the preparation for what if it doesn't go that way? What if we are in for a storm? You know, we, I think we have to be prepared for everything. Well, this is the first thing. I was thinking about this as I was walking in there this morning, is have I already made a choice? Mm -hmm. And I have. I chose, I chose Jesus Christ to be my personal savior. Therefore yep. I made a choice. I stepped over from straddling a fence. So I've actually made, you know, I've, I've actually made a choice. And so, you know, these other choices are the minor choices or the choices that, you know, I believe line up with the word of God. And um, I think a lot of people are, are still going, Oh my gosh, you've picked a side. No, um, I picked, I, I made a choice a long time, a long time ago. So yes, if you want to call it me picking a side, you got it. I did. His name is Jesus. And now I'm just making choices. I guess is yep. the way to put it. You know, I think we, we make choices every single day and JW and I are actually registered Democrats in our County. We have to be registered Democrats in order to vote for school board in order. Right. If we 
understand it. We can't explain it, but we doesn't mean that whenever we're sitting on paper, we're going to, we're going to vote Democrat. We looked at the, we've weighed everything out. Um, we voted Trump four years ago. I'm not afraid to say that. Uh, and we believe that we're, we obviously, I wore the hat today and didn't even realize it. I was doing a, a live deal on Facebook just a minute ago. And I was like, and as a matter of fact, I have now, there you go. Whatever, whatever. It is what it is. So if, wait, say, for people that are just listening, what's the hat say? It says cowgirls for Trump. There you go. Yeah. All right. Cowgirls for Trump. And I, I honestly, it doesn't really, if you're a Christian, it shouldn't be, people shouldn't even have to ask. That's just the way that I look at it. I've heard a lot of stories here lately that, because like we're out in the world a lot. So a lot of people that are like, yes, I'm Christian and I'm voting this way and I'm not voting for Trump. And I'm like, can you explain that to me? And honestly, they cannot, I've not had anyone give me a valid explanation other than his character. And I'm like, okay, well, both characters are flawed. Um, both characters are flawed. My character is, we all are, we all are. Oh my God. We just are. Um, but what they stand for and what they're standing on is completely opposite ends of the spectrum. And you know, it it has to do with life. I mean, in general, if you're going to be for this life over here, you kind of got to be for all the life. Mm -hmm. And so, and that's for both parties in general, in, in a, in a nutshell. But if we did our homework, we would see that, that, Light that it's going to go somewhere. <laughs> I'll go for I'll go for a minute, Matt, because you know, and I'm like, <laughs> you know, I mean, like, I mean, because honestly, the things that came with the last four years were already there. There was already a fight of, about the border. There was already cages that were created, and and people aren't doing their homework because honestly, there's homework that's been destroyed. But if you do your homework and if you do your digging in the right way, you'll you'll see that what Trump really stepped into was a bunch of crap. I mean, just literally like, and he's like, I'm going to drain the swamp. Well, that was a familiar saying to me. I can remember as a kid, my grandmother, my, my grandmother, even she wrote it in her memoirs as well. My great grandma, she would say, Leon, you don't go to the, you don't go to the swamp to swim, swim with alligators. You go to drain it. And I remember my daddy working in an alligator farm. He would go and he would jump in with the alligators, the baby alligators, and they would get in there and they would toss the, the baby gators out to put them in different places. And so I'm like, what are we doing? And and for JW and myself, we have experienced the last couple of years, the firsthand experience of a jacked up system being foster parents. Yeah. So therefore we have strong faith and strong belief because of what we've actually walked through personally. And so if it's on our scale, which seems very little and minor compared to the United States of America, Supreme court stuff, golly, like, it's like, this is kind of jacked up. And so maybe the generations before stayed hidden a little bit too long. I don't know, but I tell you one thing, I feel like we are literally a community coming out of the grave. We are literally rising up and saying, it's okay to be what we are. And if you don't believe me, if you don't believe what I'm not trying to change your mind, I'm not going to change your mind because you couldn't make me say yes to some things a long time ago. If you would have laid your hands on me and anointed me with a bucket of oil that would go to a car. I mean, like you just weren't until I was, until I saw it for myself. And that's where we're at with the, in the world in general that I'm not, I didn't ask on my daddy's face. Mm Mm-mm. Or grandpa's or JW Hart's face. We actually didn't agree on anything politically when we started dating. Really? No. See, I don't know. Mm, He didn't. And I remember being like, man, I was raised this little conservative, little Republican girl, you know? Yeah. Elections with my grandpa. Um, And and JW, he was like, well, I'm not against abortion. I'm for abortion. I was like, what? And I remember really, it was really like, it ate me alive. And I was like, are you kidding me? Why would you do that? And he was like, well, it's not my body. And I can see people saying, it's not my body. It's not my choice. But if, if you are looking through the lens biblically, and that's how I look at it, it's not my body. It's his body. Correct. And I don't, and, and that's how I, we would start. And it would just blow up because both of us were not in a place where we could conversate about that. But JWS, over the years, I have not really said a lot. I've just been a doer because if you say something, just and this is, I think, 
a very worldly thing. A lot of times you can't really have a conversation with people about stuff because they're here, right here, like in their ears. They're like, I've made a choice. But when they start to see something operate differently and they start to see um, things start to come together, they're like, there is something maybe about this. And I, there's a lot of people that have seen Lee and Hart before she was Lee and Hart do a lot of things. And now she's not doing those things. And she started doing some different things. And now there's good things. Right. Maybe there were some good things that came from that before, but they just kind of like, I miscarried a lot of the good things. But to go back to go back to what you were talking about a minute ago, I, I really believe that, you know, his thought on, well, it's not my body comes from a humanistic caring perspective of, you know what? I care about that person over there. So I want them to have that choice. And I think so, so oftentimes we get caught up in, I think there's a lot of misguided caring in the world right now where people are caring from a humanistic standpoint instead of caring about other people from a godly perspective. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, while we might be, we might think we're doing it with a good heart, it's not a godly heart. As good as we think it is, at the end of the day, it's not the way God leads us to think. You know, this is a crazy part about that is even when it comes to life, a lot of people say, well, what about what, what if it's, what if it's a rape? What if it's this? What if, what if the guy's really bad news? What if this, what if that? And I, on my end, being a woman, I've listened to a lot of stories, a lot of testimonies, but a lot of stories in general about women that um, I never knew had abortions in their life. Mm-hmm. And they were actually encouraged by Christian daddies that were like, you need to get this done or mamas. They went to church their whole life. And they, and then when this happened, they're like, Oh no, this isn't, we're going to go get this aborted. We're going to take care of this problem. And they were left stuck with that because their thought process was like, it might be half bad, but aren't I good? So in our life, like didn't my good outweigh the bad. And so they're stuck in this mindset of, of shame and guilt and, all the choices that someone made for them, they actually didn't make that choice for themselves. And then there are the ones that actually made the choice because they didn't like where they were at the time in their life. They weren't they were ready. Like, weren't ready. All the things, even though there weren't. Hang on. Literally just everything shut down. Okay. <laughs> of course it did. We'll keep, we'll keep going on here because I think we're, we're still pretty good here. Maybe. Okay. Here we go. Yeah. So, so, you know, I've got a girlfriend of mine that, that did make that choice. And it was because she didn't like where she was in life. She wasn't ready. And now she realizes that that was shame that she walked in. It was a lot of heartache that she experienced and it hurt her. But JW spoke some life into her. He was like, you didn't go into that choice with the mindset. I want to kill this life within me. I want to murder this baby. And she realizes that now this, would she make that choice again? No, because she's at a different place in her life that she sees differently. She's looking with different eyes. She realizes that, um, that that didn't just hurt her, but it hurt, it hurt her heavenly father as a Christian and her belief. And it, it was, it's, that's her choice now. And that's a, that's a thing. It's not about me making your choice or you making my choice. We all have to come to an understanding that we actually want to make better choices because of a good God, because God's for us, because God can do anything he wants to do. But, and you can completely disagree with me. Um, I think as humans, we are wired to see negative first because in that yeah. instance, the first thought that comes to mind is more of a negative perspective in the sense that I'm not capable of giving this human the life they deserve instead of looking at it like, you know what? I, I can give this human a life at all. You know, it's negative versus positive. And I feel like as humans, we're wired to see negativity and we have to work through that negativity to find reality or the positive. You know, and you're speaking to an adoptive mom here. Right. So, <laughs> let me, let me, and this is the thing. If we, if we as Christians were actually going alongside these, those that were struggling saying, 
you can do this. You're not going to do this alone. If you know, and, and offering that help and that support, because a lot of the experiences that I, we have actually had in a lot of the children that we've had come through our home have not been because it have actually been because of those opportunities right there for me to, I've had parents that have said, I didn't even know I was pregnant and I'll just call them up and I'll say, Hey, do you need a car seat? Do you need clothes? Do you need these things? And what has happened because, you know, do because of that door opening, because maybe I, I was, you know, opening the door. Um, we've actually got kids that have come into our home from those very experiences right there. We are open about the parents. So we have open relationship. Uh, and we, we've also taken the pressure off of those parents that said they couldn't do it to realize that, you know what? Maybe I was just a vessel. Maybe I was just a carrier of this life for somebody that couldn't give birth or couldn't carry full term. I've had 13 babies go to heaven. So for me, I've kind of been like, I feel like my walk is, um, if I want to compare it to the world, we're, we're looking at people in the world now that don't know how to carry life. Well, I, I feel like I've, I've, I could say I've had 13 miscarriages and I could really beat myself up about that. But then again, God has given us opportunity um, through the through the gift of adoption. And if people really saw that, there's so many people out there that want to be that adoptive person. And then there's so many families. There's so many families out there that know that their calling is not to be an adoptive home, but to be a foster home, to actually truly walk beside these people, to help them learn how to do life better, to learn how to grow to learn how to be a difference maker and not just someone who tries to be right all the time, but fight for the things that are right. Because a lot of our society wasn't raised um, in, in a good, in the good upbringing. They didn't have wise leaders. They didn't have people that loved them. They didn't have people that loved them unconditionally. I had people in my life and a family that in my life, when I was messing up, they loved me enough to say, get your stuff together. You are really screwing this up. And I appreciate that because some people now would look at it Oh, they're really hurting my feelings. Yep. I'm just going to pout, you know. But, but it takes a while. It takes a while for that to set in. It's not an immediate reaction of, oh, I get it. They're, 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 it's tough love and, and they want what's best for me. There is obviously, there's a, you know, there's a, a button heads. There's a, a, an immediate reaction of, no, that's bad. Get away from me. But at the end of the day, it's because they want what's best. And, and sometimes that's hard to let it set, sink in. Well, and it's like, you know, sometimes you think, well, I can't train an old dog, dog new tricks, or I can't teach an old horse how to do that horse has been doing this for so long. And here I am. And I'm looking at that, those things every single day. I've got a horse that I retired. He is 18 years old and he worked a long time for me since he's four years old. And he was always setting his ways to certain little things. I know all of his bad habits. And then I've got now I've got, I've, I've given him to our, a seven or seven year old. And she is on him, making him do new things every single day, but he, and he's wanting to do them. Like I'm looking at him. He's not even fighting her where if I walk up to him, he knows that I'm, he knows what I'm about. He knows what I'm going to give into and what I'm not, but he has no idea this new thing, this new life that's sitting on his back. And, uh, and that's refreshing. But if we come with that old mindset thinking we're just going to train people to do what we've been raised to do, yep. it, it's just a, it's just a mess waiting to happen. Yep. You have to give people room to grow. Even if you don't like what they're saying, if you, even if you don't agree with them, it's still, you know, it's still opinions make the world go round. And I may not like or agree with something, but at the end of the day, who cares? It's not my choice. It's yours. And and I have to own up for what I have to own it for because my my bag is heavy enough that I've carried around. Your bag is heavy enough. I don't want to carry your bag. You don't want to carry my bag. And I don't want to walk in your shoes. And you don't want to walk in mine. That's right. I, mean, I, I firmly believe that, but we 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 throw each other. Um I really truly believe that we we what we're doing right now, this is this is us helping each other grow and, and encourage and courage where you didn't have something, but I got it. So I'm going to give it to you and let me take what you don't need. And I'm going to give it away. Yeah. Just, that's what we're called to do as people, whether, I mean, going back to the politics thing and having conversation with people that don't want to see or don't want to vote or don't want to look at the picture for what it is. You could send them all the video evidence of the, in the world of, you know, this one making this statement and this one doing this and this one doing that. 
And it doesn't matter because they're so set in their ways. But then you have a little child walk up to them with a dressed up as a, um, as a, let's just say a Trump fan. Cause it's just happened. It's Trump fan. And they're just the cutest little things in the world. Can't talk about that baby. Can't talk about that baby, you know? So there is something that, that does take place in the hearts of us old dogs every now and then. Hey, whenever comes look, to, to, to bring it to a, a real life perspective, my mom, hates guns. I love firearms. I think everybody on the planet should own one, should carry one. I just, I feel like it's one of our rights and it's something that, you know, that I just, I enjoy being able to do just even to go out and shoot. My mom hates guns, but wants to carry one. My dad and I have spent hours and hours and hours trying to work with her. I've got a shooting range behind my house, trying to get her, you know, teach her the ins and outs of, of how to use a firearm. And I, when I look, a lot of people will think I'm lying about this, but I promise you, I've never tried to be more patient about anything in my life than teaching my mom how to use these guns. The other day, and this happened in the last 48 hours, we buy her a new firearm that she wanted to try. My fiance, Megan, sets down, and within 60 seconds, of saying the exact same thing my dad and I have said for years. My mom all of a sudden, oh, yeah, this is easy. Loves it. Huh? Perspective. Exactly. But it came from somebody else's mouth instead of, like, there, there was this wall up that, you know, if I said it or my dad said it, there was it was going to meet with friction. It was going to turn into some sort of chaos. But, you know, Megan's, Megan's a relatively new voice. She's a female. She's been a cop. Oh yeah, easy. And I mean, took to it like instantly and now is going back and all those guns that she thought was junk, that was trash. Now she's using them because now she knows how all of a sudden. And it was just like, we, we have this, we have this horrible thing in the world right now where we can't listen to each other's opinions. Yeah. So we, we, we built these walls up and, and it's, I feel like there's a lot of hatred in the world and it, and it keeps us from being able to, to have conversations. I love to, I love to talk to people that disagree with me because I feel like that's the best way for all of us to learn. And unfortunately we live in a society right now where it's, it's rare. Few yeah. You know, I love, I think that too, like I was, <laughs> I was saying this the other day that I just, choose not to be an offended person. And, and it's because like Jesus wasn't easily offended and that really offended people. Then he wasn't offended. Yeah. And they're like following him everywhere, you know, and he was just like teaching and doing his thing. And yes, there was a time that he turned the table over tables over, but it wasn't because he was offended. It was because a wrong thing was happening in his daddy's house. So like, I'm like, you know, he wasn't like, so therefore, and I just look at things like that. Like, I'm just, I get, I want to hear why you don't agree the way, why we can't talk about it. And, and if we can have a conversation, then let's have it. But a lot of times within seconds of a response of why we may not be in a place, I, I already know that we're not going to conclude. Like, there's no, there's no way you and I are going to come to, if we're talking about that, we're not going to finish a conversation and be on the same page. So I just listen. You're married to J.W. Hart. Of course you feel like that. You know that. Yeah. yeah, I know that very well. I mean, the man has governor 90% of the time, you know, and, and two, like he'll tell you, like he's changed a lot because of me and because of having that conversation. I've had to learn with, with him. And this is for any, anyone in a relationship period where you're trying to have conversation with someone. I truly believe that communication is key. And I have a love for communication. I have a love for conversation. But my dad had that love for me. My earthly daddy had that love for me when I was a kid. I didn't like it when I was a kid. I didn't, I got caught in every bad thing I ever did. And my dad would want to talk to me till daylight. And he would, I don't even know. Like, I don't even remember. I don't remember anything he said. <laughs> but I remember that he loved me enough to spend time with me. And that I would think maybe this is it. Like if I do these bad things, I'm going to, this is, this is part of the punishment. I'm just going to have to stay up all night and then go to school and milk cows and do all the fun things. But 
for with, with JW, like I really, it was really hard for me to have conversation with him when we first started dating and, and when, especially when we first got married about our, my faith and about what I believe. Right. Go to church. He wasn't really raised the way that I was. And so I couldn't really hold him to the same standard because he wasn't raised the same way as me. And biblically, the word actually tells you that. And so when I would get off and trying to get him under, I'll tell you a funny story. He's going to kill me for this. That's okay. It'd be fun. So years ago, we sold half interest in a bull to a, a guy that was a quarterback for the, the Jets. The mm-hmm. New York Jets. Okay. He's talking to him about breeding this bull back. And I will never forget. I was just trying to learn how to play the guitar at the time. And I'm sitting outside on the porch and I'm hearing him talk inside. And, and he's like, you know, he said, it's kind of like in the Bible, you know, whenever they talk in the old Testament, he said somewhere in there, it's like breeding back, like, you know, something weird, like about the dads. And he said, it's kind of like the dads take the daughters and they, and I'm like, and I'm like, abort mission. you know and and we gets off the phone and I was like oh my gosh you did not just say that you know you did not just talk about like breeding back your dad like that's just and he's like well this and he's looking at me I'm like just don't whenever I do this that means I love you enough to tell you to shut up shut your mouth do this right now because you're embarrassing me (laughs) but I mean there's there have been those moments where He'll say, I believe in the Bible. Mm-hmm. This is such a worldly thing right here, but I believe in the Bible. I believe in the Bible. I believe in the Bible. But then we've opened the Bible before. And I'm like, well, what is, what do you actually believe about what this says in the Bible? And, and he'll be like, oh, well, um, uh, hmm, I don't really know, you know? And I'm like, that's the thing because we just, we, as humans, we read things so very topically yep. and we read it. And we're like, well, that, that doesn't apply to me. And I like to read the Bible in a way where I'm like, what is God actually saying about himself? Like, what is God at? Not just about me. Like, not everything is about me when it comes to stuff like that. And I think that is very true to so many things in this world. Like, we make everything about us. Yeah. And it's not. And it's not about us. At the, at the end of the day, as a foster parent, Honestly, none of this has been about me and J.W. Hart. Um, it feels personal. You are attacked physically, mentally, and spiritually on every level. But none of it has been about us. As partners and the, in the bull business, we aren't taking care of these animals for ourselves. We have partners that we're helping with. Yes, it helps our livelihood. Yes, this is our business. This is how we profit. At the end of the day, um, we could just take what we get and not even feed the animals yep. and it's not about us. So we're really a selfish world. <laughs> but you just touched on something that I don't think people understand. And I've tried to explain this to some of like, even some of my close friends because they'll always constantly talk about, you know, the podcast or social media or make fun because, you know, Megan and I will take a picture in the gym and I get it. And like a lot of it comes from, you know, from a good place and, and lighthearted, but sometimes it gets a little, you know, a, a little too much, but they don't understand that. Look, yeah, this all provides for our livelihood, but at the end of the day, I opened this gym to help other people because of a place I had been in previously in my life. And I knew what it was like. I had something pop up the other day and, and I had to remind myself that I started this podcast I started this podcast to help our athletes get their stories out and people start learning about the character. And I realized that this is, this is, it was way different than what I planned. This has turned into something completely different. Um, and, and somebody made the comment the other day that, well, Matt wasn't on the top 10 Western sports podcast. And I was like, you know what? That's crap. And then I thought, no, I'm okay with that because what I want to do is I, as much as I love Western sports, I'd much rather jump on here and bring somebody from Western sports in and talk about God and faith or talk about, you know, trials and tribulations and how to overcome certain things. And I was like, yeah, I'm okay with that. But it took me getting through that negative mindset and, and dealing with that, working through it to find out the positive side of those things. So I'm glad you said that because I think people think that, 
we all just do things for selfishness. We do things because, you know, well, it's going to make us money here and there, but, but you can do all those things and still be from a, a good heart and, and doing it for the right reasons. Well, a lot of people don't understand what they don't have. Right. That's exactly right. You know, a lot of people are operating out of a lost sense of loss. And when people come, you know, when, whenever we're, we're doing something that they don't understand, it's because they've never walked through it, or maybe they gave up on it a long yeah. time ago. Yeah. And, 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 and that's okay where they are. Um, I always, I've had people come into this house and, and we've had a lot of different people come through. We've had over 60 foster babies come through the house. So we've over the years, but we've also had a lot of people that we have brought in to help us work that have not worked out. I always say I'm the one JW hires people and I fire people because I still want relationships after they leave (laughs) our opportunity. But you know, we've had a lot of people come in the house that have brought things that um, aren't really welcome here. Like I don't, I grew up in a really negative environment um, when my mom and dad were going through their divorce and I don't really do negative very well. And when negative starts to crawl all over me, JW Hart is the first person to point that out. Like he's in, he'll, he doesn't do very well with talking about the same things over and over and over. And it's kind of trained me to get out of my own head, like just not get stuck in a rut of negative. Well, living with him, sometimes I'm going, okay, now it's your turn to get out of that. And the best way that I can, I've been able to with him is to have a sense of humor. I mean, literally, legitimately, I'm like, <laughs> are you serious right now? Because yeah. he doesn't take it well when I give it back to him in, a, in the manner of what he's given it out. And like navigating through, he's my curriculum, you know, like every day your curriculum is who you wake up with and you got good curriculum living with you. And, and he's good curriculum for me. You know, my kids are good curriculum. They're the ones that prepare me to be prepared. (laughs) They are the ones that prepare me to be prepared because when I go, I've got people all the time that are like, you haul your kids here. You, and when we were doing Vegas, when we were doing NFR and going to NFR and stuff like that, like when we're doing those things, they're like, okay, you're bringing your kids with you everywhere. Yeah, I can not protect them from everything, but I can prepare them for everything. And so it's your curriculum. Like what you're waking up in is your curriculum. If you if you look at that differently, sometimes we're like, eh, it's like these papers. I don't really want that today. <laughs> Here. But then you wake up and it's still there and you and you still haven't dealt with it. And so therefore your pile before you know it is like stacking up. And I'm like, just deal with it and move on. Well, and accountability, you know, you, you mentioned him being good for you, Megan, the same for me, because this whole presidential thing and politics, I can dive off into it head first and a hundred percent. And I can sit and watch the news and listen to every speech. And I can spend my whole day immersing myself into politics. And she will immediately remind me that it turns me very negative because I, I can't understand some people can't grasp certain concepts and things, and and it it, it gets to me, and, and she reminds me, hey, maybe it's time we turn the TV off, or maybe it's time we just go for a walk or, or something. If you want me to keep living here, maybe we should take the dogs on a walk. But it, it's good to have those people in your life because I, I think a lot of times we forget that you know it's important to surround yourself with like-minded, positive people because there's way too much negative. Absolutely. And, you know, we've, we've, we've walked through several things over the last couple of years with, with having a, a community here and a community here and a community here. We've actually done a life group at our house for now for the last eight years that we, we host every Monday night. We have a group of 30 to 40 people come every Monday. We have nine different churches represented while we're here. Um, and we're just doing life with people that are doing life with Christ. And they, they, they take, myself and JW and they just, you know, they know who we are. They know what we're about. They know that JW may participate. He's not afraid to, because a lot of people have looked at me in a way where they're like, where's your husband at? Like, why isn't he speaking about Jesus? Why isn't he doing these things? And so I know that he supports me in every area of my life and what I do. And I know that JW Hart is good with God. He's still got human, human things that he has to work with. So do I. Congratulations. 
winner, winner, you know, and, and it doesn't bother me. And what bothers other people is if they, when it does bother other people, what I've come to understand is that they have a lot of things that, that they have never dealt with. Yeah. And I just deal with them. Like I firmly believe that he says, give me your burdens and I will give you, I'll give you some, I'll trade off with you, you know? And I got tired of with JW and our marriage. Like I got so sick and tired of like, feeling like we were wearing the same yoke, like you would see on some oxen that were plowing a field. And I was wanting to go one way and I'm dragging his butt trying to get him to go this way, you know? And I'm like, come on, let's just do this. And did that mean that I had to go his way in order for him to go my way? Yeah. We just need to stop and evaluate things and realize that just because he wasn't doing what I thought he needed to be doing, didn't mean that he wasn't praying in the pasture. It wasn't, it just looked different than mine. And we never really had that come together conversation to where, because he'll, he'll say, I pray more on the horse than I do maybe where you want me to pray, but that doesn't mean he's not doing it. And so I had to really take that little judgy hat off of myself (laughs) and thinking that I need to be your Holy Spirit, J.W. Hart. And, And that I need to really focus on me. And when I, the more I focused on me, the more I realized that I really needed to take a lot off, you know, that, that it was, it was healthy for me to feel like you, you work out physically. I re- I don't as much do that at all because, well, I don't really have time, but I do work out spiritually in a way and I keep moving. And I think that's important that, you know, a lot of times we get really stuck because we stop moving and that doesn't mean just in a physical place that's here between our ears and allowing things to be flushed out that's spiritually in our heart you know, because we wake up every day to the same face. We wake up every single day with the same brain. And if we're not like allowing ourselves to declutter, to drink this bottle of water that I was telling you about and to flush it out, then it's just there. And I lived my life for a long time being just there. So therefore I can live with JW Hart because I flush out everything. Well, one of the one of the things I had to learn was, you know what, we don't always have to take the same path. As long as we have the same finish line, sometimes it really doesn't matter how you get there as long as you know you're going there and, and you're all meeting at the same point. There's so much I want to talk to you about, um, but this whole audio thing, uh, devil's trying to stop something. So well, uh, promise me we'll do this again. We will. Because I want to talk, I want to get into the ministry and uh, there, there's just so much I want to talk about. So maybe, maybe during PBR finals, if we can find a few minutes, we can sit down. Uh, I know that's crazy, or maybe right after, but here in the I next. I know if you see the little name at the top of mine, but it says Michaela. I saw that. I'm on Mac's computer. Just so I, I saw that when it popped up, and I was like, oh, okay. Took me a minute to, who, who's trying to get in on my Zoom call? <laughs> but there's there's so many things. Um, I, I do want to tell you that part of this is is your fault, because Megan and I, the other day, we had, we had gotten on a call with you, and, and we spent the next... 24 hours just talking about how uh how much negativity is being spread in the world right now and how sometimes we let it consume us too and i'm gonna try not to cry but megan's like super she's super good about reminding me every morning for every evening you know what are you thankful for and, and that's a conversation we have like out loud and then she'll post it on social media. You know, hey, I'm, I'm thankful. She's very good at recognizing how much good there is in the world. And so November 1st, I just said, you know what? This is it. We put out a, a five, 10-minute podcast that said 30 days of November. This is us holding ourselves accountable. Every day, we're going to find something we're thankful for, and we're going to publicly share that. And so we just called it 30 Days of Thankful. And I bring all of that up to you because you're always so super positive. Uh, you and even your rotten old husband are going to be one of those days. Uh, I'm very thankful that, that both of you are, are in our lives. So, so we appreciate you. Uh, I thank you for you guys in more way than more ways than one, you know, not only do you teach others to get off the couch, <laughs> but you encourage people to leave the shallow places of their life and go deeper. And that's encouraging for me as someone who's older than you are to see, a younger generation pouring into another generation and saying, come on, get up. You can do this. Get out there, go deeper, go deeper, leave the comfort. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to leave the comfort. And so I appreciate you guys so much. You know, I do. I could go all, on. I could. We're all, we're all 
spending every day trying to get better. That's the, that's, that's the bottom line. And so we got to do this again where we, the audio is good. Uh, we'll salvage something no matter what it is. We're putting it out there because it's, it's too important not to. So anyways, I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're busy. So thank you. Thank you. We'll see Bye. you later. Bye.